It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Wednesday morning, the 31st of May. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. Michael Shine was at one time one of the most respected people in South Louth and East Meath where he enjoyed a wonderful reputation as a consultant doctor. Today, the mere mention of his name sends shivers down the spines of people locally and also outside of this region. Shine has become infamous nationally as a sex beast, a monster who preyed on boys and young men for his own sexual gratification. How many victims Shine left in his wake is unclear, but the number runs into hundreds. Today, we're going to hear from a local man who tells us his story, a story that begs the most serious of questions about how Gardy handled complaints made to them about Michael Shine. How many people went to Drogheda Garda Station and were told by members of the force that Michael Shine was a great and decent man and that they should not pursue their complaint? How many people went to Gardaí to report sexual crimes and were told because it happened such a long time ago they would be better off getting counselling and try to put the whole thing behind them? How many men went to Gardaí to complain that Shine had sexually assaulted them but didn't realise that they were making their complaint to a Garda who considered themselves to be a personal friend of Michael Shine. How many men were told their accusations against Shine were false, scurrilous and hurtful to Mr Shine and that if they did not apologise in writing to Michael Shine that they would be charged and prosecuted for making false claims of sex abuse. Listeners should be advised that the story you are about to hear is sexually explicit at times and some listeners may find it upsetting to listen to. When I first met Michael Shine, <coughs> I had an accident in the walk and uh, I had to go to the Lord's Hospital and I get stitches over my right eye. I had a fall. And I went to a solicitor and he sent me to Michael Shine in his private practice on a Saturday morning at 10 o'clock in June. I went into Michael trying to rang the doorbell and he came and he opened the door. Hello, come in, he said. He said, take off your coat. I was standing in front of him and he examined me eye and he said, yeah, I see that. It's, it's healing very nice. He said, it's okay. You're a fit lad. Do you play much sport? 
Det var så jeg plejer at få på really fairly fair. Gå over den lige bench, så den kunne give en examination. I went over the lay in the bench and he came around behind me and he felt my eye and he felt my glands and then he put his hands on my chest. Then he went down and touched my legs. He said to me, open your pants, he said. I said, doctor, I'm here with my eye. I'm going to give you a full examination, he said. I opened my pants, he slid his hand down and he started touching me private parts. And I said, doctor, he said, are you cold or are you nervous? I said, both. With that, he disappeared for a few seconds. I could hear him warming his hands at a heater. He came back round again put his hands back down my pants and started touching me private parts. I said, Doctor, this is wrong. I looked up at him and he his eyes shut. He was in, seemed to be in a different place, in, in space. Then the doorbell started ringing. Doctor, I said, the doorbell's ringing, there's someone at the door. He ignored me for a few seconds and with that, he just opened his eyes and went round to the door. With that, I jumped off the bed, grabbed my coat and pushed me way by him in the hall where he was letting someone else in and out the door with me. I was shaking, I was fuming, I didn't know what was after happening. What year was that? 1987. And how old were you then? 22. Okay. And you'd been sexually assaulted? Yeah. Okay. He, 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 he masturbated me for, uh, I'd say, a minute or two twice. Mm. Okay. A dreadful experience, no doubt, uh, and uh, upsetting even to... Uh, hear you recall it, uh, but you remember it very vividly, uh, although it was a, a very long time ago. Um, but it's a memory that stayed with you, and you went abroad. I, I, I went abroad then and put behind me and said, Move on, you have to, you can't let this thing bottle up with your inside. I said to me, the solicitor at the time, what happened? And he said to me, If you got a penny for every time someone came in with that allegation, you'd be a rich man. He laughed at me and said, Leave it, put behind you, move on. He said, So I did. That was 1987. Yeah, I moved abroad and you had to move on. I came home then, I was in London. And I came home then in 2003, because my mum wasn't well. She got sick. And I thought I was coming home for a few weeks and she got better, but unfortunately, she didn't get better. I ended up living with her in the house for nine months. She was terminally ill then. Hmm. But in the meantime, I'd seen it all in the papers, the doctor showing again. And there was this a number is 16 years after you'd been yeah. assaulted. Yeah. I seen it in the papers. Mm. Dr. Shine. It's a number in the mm. paper. What? This Dr. Shine. And I sat in the chair and said, if I were doing and give my story, I'd be helping someone that happened to me. Mm. So I decided that evening I'd go down to the Garda station and make a complaint against them. Okay. Uh, young Garda was there and she brought me in and she made me a cup of tea. She told me the investigating officer was out at the moment, but he'd be back shortly. So with that, I had the cup of tea, the chat with the guard, and the investigating officer came in, and he took my statement. Mm. Before he took the statement, he looked at me, as I knew him, I walked alongside him. He said to him, what are you doing coming after all these years? What will you get? Well, I just said, I've seen it in the papers, I said, what's had to happen to other people, and if I think my case can help, help someone that happened to me. Mm. Just put it in perspective. Uh, why did you think that? Michael Shine was still working as a doctor. Yeah. He was still in He's the still Lourdes in hospital. hospital. Yeah. In 2003. Three. He and he was there for another five years, was yeah. he? Uh, and you thought, if he did that to me, maybe he's doing it to others. You were reading about others in the paper. He was out uh, up in court and got off. He was out to be cleared mm, in court. Yeah. And he continued to work in the hospital yeah. then for five years. until That's another five years. Okay. 
So what happened with your complaint? Uh, the guard said to you, why are you coming here 16 years after it? Yeah. yeah. Why are you doing coming here? Why didn't you, mm. why didn't you come when it happened? Mm. Well, I said, well, I spoke to Mr. Lister about it and he, he told me to forget about it. And he said, it's my word again, his. He said, uh, you have no hope. He said, no one's going to believe you over Dr. Shine. Mm. So if I was you, he said, I'd move on and leave it. So I did. So the guard took me statement, and there were two guards. And he said to me after he took me statement, he said, uh, I'll drop you home. He said, you look a bit upset. I said, I am very upset. I said, he said, Dr. Shine's a very personal friend of mine, he says. And I find that hard to believe, he says. But he said, I'll go and see him tomorrow and I'll charge him, he said, and I'll get back to you. Hmm. So he dropped me at the house and I said, thank you, and I got out of the car. He came back to my house a week later and told me that he charged Dr. Shine. Dr. Shine said he never heard of me. I was never in his office. I ha- he hasn't a clue what I'm on about. Now this guard said to me, you have to put yourself in his office. Because Shine said he never heard of you. And it's a personal friend of mine you're making this allegation against, he said to me. So I'll be back in a couple of weeks and you have all your evidence together. Right, says I, I'll do that. Everywhere I went, the guard told me that there was no hospital files. He looked, there was no files there. The solicitor said it was too far back. He hadn't got me on record on file, ever sending me to Shine. So every door I turned to, I even rang me employment to see if they had a record of their solicitor sending me to Shine. And then it was too far back. There was no records of me anywhere, mm. no hospital records. So I had to say, right. I've no proof. What can I do? Well, not surprising. It's 16 years yeah, later. 16 yeah, 16 years yeah, later. Yeah. Everywhere mm, I went. Mm, yeah, and 2003. I mean, we weren't living in the world we're living in now with emails and exactly. all that stuff that you could... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So the guard came back out a few weeks and I told him I'd no evidence. I was looking at him. My mama said, and uh, I just need more time. He said, I'll be back in a week. He said, if you haven't got evidence, he said, I want you to write a letter of apology to Dr. Shine. A what? A letter of apology. This is the investigating guard who yeah. said that to you. He said, for the stress you put him through. He's a personal friend of mine. He also said again, he's very, very upset and he can't believe you're making this complaint against him. I'll be back in a week's time, he said, and have a letter ready. I had a chat and I didn't know what, I, I said, well, what's happening here? I said, I have to apologise, I've been sexually abused. I have to apologise to him. Oh, I, say, I don't know what I'm going to do for having this. He rings back, he comes back a week later. I said, I won't be apologising. I said, but I will withdraw my complaint. What do I do? Just put my name on it and send it to draw the Garda station. And that'll be the end of it. As soon as he walked away from the door, I sat down. My brother filled in the letter. I went over and posted it ten minutes later. End of. He came back a week later and said, I gave your letter to Mr Shine. He sent his regards. He said, have a nice day and the best of luck to you. And he walked down the steps. Can you remember how you felt? I thought I, there was a person in seeing, seeing me man wasn't well, a friend. And when I walked in, he said to me, you look like you've seen a ghost. You're very pale. You look like you've just seen a ghost. And I just blessed myself and sat down and said nothing. And then I went off on my own upstairs to a little room and I broke down for a few minutes. That was... that. Then I said, right, that's the end of. It was it's, an atrocious thing to over. ask you to do and put you through. Yeah. He said that... Abuse on top of abuse. Abuse on top of abuse. It felt like 
the guard treated me worse than trying. He said when he told me he was a personal friend of his, it was like getting a slap in the face. I felt like Shion was sitting beside him, taking me interview. I said, what's happening here? I said, he's a personal friend, I said. He sexually abused me, and you're calling me a lawyer that it never happened. My God. You're saying to me that Shion's very upset, and he wants me to apologise to him. My which God. I refused to apologise. I told him, I said, you're a guard, I'll do what you're telling me to do, I have to. You said you'd prosecute me if I don't. So I wrote, my brother wrote a letter and uh, he came back and said he delivered the letter to Mr. Shine. Mr. Shine, send his regards and have a nice day. And he walked mm. away. And I moved on and said, that's the end of them. Forget about the lot of them. This man's story did not end there, however. In fact, his story is far from over. And after the break, we'll hear more about how Gardy dealt with his complaints of criminality against Michael Shine, who had sexually assaulted him. Before the break, can we just give you some numbers for anyone who may be affected by this story? If you would like to speak to someone about sexual assault, dignity for patients can be reached on 041 9843730. That's 041 9843730. That number is open for from 10 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon, Monday to Thursday. Out of hours, you can reach uh, the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre National Helpline on 1800 77 88 88. Michael Reed on LMFM. We've been hearing about how a man was abused by Michael Shine, who was working as a doctor in Drogheda in 1987. How the same man went to Gardaí to report uh, the abuse in 2003. How he was asked to write a letter of apology to Shine and withdraw his charge. But there is more to this story. What happened then in 2010? It all broke out in the papers again. All these people, and there was a phone number in the paper. If you've been sexually abused with Michael Shine, or you feel like you've any, get off your chest, ring this number. So I did ring this number, and they were called Dignity for Patients. So they agreed to meet me. And I met a lovely uh, girl called Gabenda, and I told her my story. And she seemed a bit in shock. She looked at me and said, mm. She said, I want you to do me a favour. I want you to put an FOI into the Lord's Hospital for your records and I want you to put one in to the Drogheda station for your records Freedom of Information Freedom of Information yeah, yeah. i done that that week a week later I got a letter back from the Lord's Hospital saying we received your letter we will be forwarding on your records shortly the next day I got a phone call from the Drogheda station this guard wanted to know why I wanted me why do you want your records and who wants them I told him, I said, I've been with Dignity for patients. That shower, he said. I said, uh, I, I've been with Dignity for patients and, and they want me to get me records, me files out of the records. Be at the Garda station tonight at 8 o'clock. Not 5 to not 5 past. I'll have you. As he approached the Garda station, this guard came out of a side door with a white envelope. And he said, there's the letter that you withdrew your case. And if we can't find the original statement, that's missing. I'm looking for it to see. The original statement that was taken from you can't be found. But there's the letter, he said, that you withdrew your statement. You can give that to dignity of patients, he said. I also told him, I said, I would like to make another complaint against Michael Shine. He said that he was on top of his head at the moment. 
He was very busy. He said, I have your mobile number, I'll get back to you. I said, thanks very much, and I moved on. A couple of weeks went by, probably a month or two went by, and I rang up the Drolagada station to find out what was happening. He phoned me back and said, I'm doing the murder on my own. They're all out sick. I'm stressed out. When I get time, he says, I'll get back to you. I'd say a year, maybe a year and a half went by, till he finally got me into the office and said, right, we'll sit down and take your appointment. I'll take your statement. A year and a half. A year and a half. Right, okay. That's grand, he said. He said to me, where's all your documents you have from Dignity for Patients and your hospital records and all? Where are we at, by the way, uh, time-wise now? We're, what, 2005, 2006, that sort of thing? 210. 210 at this stage. 210 at this stage. Okay, okay. 210. Mm, mm. And uh, he said, where's all your files? I want to see them, he said. Mm. I want to see your correspondence and Dignity for Patients. I want to see your hospital records. I said, I said, that's the hospital records that the last guard couldn't find. He said it wasn't there. Obviously, what happened there was, senior fella half one in the morning, he said, when he went looking for your records, it was probably put in a different place. And then when you went looking, what I said, he went looking 12 years later. So they, they went there, and I found them myself. Well, look, you're here with me now. I'm going to mm. deal with you different, he says. I'm different than the last fella. We're going to take your complaint. But I want to see all your record stuff. So anyway... I hadn't got them with me, so I went back the following week, or maybe two weeks later, when I had my stuff and I brought them into him. And we sat down. Ireland was playing Germany at eight o'clock on the television before I left the house. I'll never forget it. Mm. I remember leaving the Garda station at half eleven. I really felt good. I felt he was listening to me. He seemed very, yes, we'll do this, we'll do that. And yeah, last statement was only two pages. You, if that ever went to court, you couldn't hand that last statement to it. It wouldn't be even looked at. I'm doing a proper statement. Give me a sec, he says. I'd say the guts of an hour went by, and I'm still sitting there waiting for him to come back. And he came back in and said to me, I couldn't find a statement. Just when I give up, he says, there it appeared out of nowhere. And he showed me my statement, that full statement I took, a copy and the letter that I withdrew me complaint, nothing else. And I had them in front of me. I said, I have them. Yeah, he said, but that's all that's here belonging to you. So he took me statement anyway. I explained everything to him. He stopped a few times and we the chat. And then he went on again and I felt great. He said, do you want this statement read back? Do you know what I said? I just feel that happy. He says, I, I feel I'm listening to now. I feel good. I said, you're so different. I said, I'm delighted. There's no messing with me, says he. I'm different than the others. Upon leaving the station that night, he said to me, oh, by the way, says he, do you know that letter he said that you wrote to, to Dr. Shine? He never, it was never given to him. We have it here in the draw. He was never charged. That false guard, he said, that said he charged Shine, never charged him, never gave him your letter. He never took your complaint. He never took me complaint. To Michael Shine. To Michael Shine. He said, it never, Shine never heard of you. Sean doesn't even know you made a complaint, he said. Oh, my God. I have it in the drawer here. Mm. And I said, why didn't you let me, why didn't you tell me that while you were taking my statement? Why mm. did you wait to tell me after? Why didn't you let me say, why didn't you mm. tell me all this? I want you to get counsel and move on. If I was you, he said, I'd put it all behind me. And forget about the last guard and forget about Sean. That's my opinion. If I mm. was you, I'd move on. Because you seem a bit, ang- uh, you seem a bit stressed out and angry. Mm. I can see it in you, says he. He seemed very angry and stressed out. I'd move on with my life if I was you. Right. Oh, no, I said, no, I want to make a complaint. I wanted to go ahead. 
12 months later I rang up to see how my case was going and he said to me I thought you moved on with your life I, I thought you told me you weren't gonna I said hey, did you send me complaint he said no I didn't I have it in the drawer here I'm telling you I can still feel the anger in your voice I'd move on with my life if I was you he said I didn't send you complaint no right I hung up this was a, a police officer. This wasn't a psychologist or no, anything like that. This, this was, was a police officer. A police officer. Yeah. Uh, you were reporting a crime. Yeah. yeah. And he mm. told me, mm. in his opinion, I should get counsel and move on. Mm. Right. Another year went by. I asked for an appointment with the superintendent. And after a few weeks later, he phoned me up and I told him what it was about. I said, I made a complaint. The first complaint I made was never made. Oh, that's shocking. He says, I'll have a word with the three guards involved, he says, and I'll get back to you. A month went by, two months, three months, five months, six months, retired. He never, ever got back to me. And uh, at that stage then, uh, you were seen by another guard. Uh, this was a guard who was new to the town at the time. I went and seen him. He had me down the next day. I phoned the secretary on the Monday morning. He had me in his office on the Tuesday. And he listened to what I had to say and he said to me straight away, I want to apologise reservedly on behalf of myself and on behalf of the guard. He said, it was appalling the way you were treated, he said. But I'm going to sit you down now over the next few days. I'm going to take your complaint and we're going to write it off to GSOC. I came out doing handstands. I was delighted. Mm. My God, I said, and he's going to do all this to me. I was delighted. I went down the next day and he took me three and a four hours I was there. Over three, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, yeah. He sent a complaint off to GSOC anyway. He said, I'm going to get this looked into, said. You're going to find out all the answers. Mm. The way you were treated by the first guard. The way you were treated by the, way you were treated by the second guard. And we're going to get all the answers. Okay. I went off to GSOC. GSOC phoned me a couple of times and asked me a few questions. Then they advised me that because the complaint was so many years back, it wasn't in the 12 months that you have to make when you're making a complaint. It was out of time. Mm. but they also told me that the guards weren't investigated they didn't find any wrongdoing but they also said that they didn't find what would I put it they didn't say that they didn't do anything wrong they said that they weren't investigated mm. so the investigating because officer because of the statute of limitations yeah, yeah. Mm. the investigating officer rang me back and he, I told him my decision and he said yeah he said you've been in touch with me and also the three guards have been informed as well that there was a complaint made against them but there's going to be no action taken. They've been informed as well. Oh, I said, OK then. So what happens now? Well, we're going to leave it at that for the moment. I was not happy with that decision. I'll be in touch. Three months later, I get a phone call. <coughs> Another senior guard from outside of Drada, from the Monitoring Division, said, I've been informed by the Chief Superintendent of Loud to investigate the handling of your case against Dr. Shine by three guardie. I was delighted. I said, lovely, thanks very much, I said. I gave him a few details on the case and then he informed me, oh no, he said, I'll only be investigating two of them. I know one of them and he's retired in shortly. And I turned around and said, the first guard was a personal friend of Dr. Shine's. You're investigating, you're telling me you're a friend of another guard. I said, this is not going to go anywhere. I'm only doing my job, he said. I was asked to investigate too and I'm going to do it. I'll be in touch. Over the months, he was ringing me and telling me how he was getting on. He was waiting for one certain guard who said that he lived abroad and it was very hard to get him in. He said he didn't have to go in and if he went in, it was in his own free will. 
So he's ringing me back saying, till he, till he comes in, it's at a standstill. He phones me one day and says, he's been in this morning. He says, I had to chat with him. Now I need you in. I've heard his side. I want to hear your side. And then I'm going to the DPP with I'm very, I'm very sorry it took so long, but it was on his behalf. He said he wasn't living in the country. Okay. I went down and met this senior guardy, and uh, he heard my side of the story. And when we were finished, he said, Now I have to tell you one thing. He's denying that he ever got you to write any letter. He said, You wrote that letter yourself. He's denying he ever called to your house. He's denying he put you under any pressure. I said to him, in the beginning, the, fo- the second guard he taught me, the first guard had never heard of me. He didn't walk in that division. He never took a complaint. I went and seen him. So I said, does he actually remember me? Oh, he remembers you all right, he says. He does. He does remember you now. I said, where is my original statement that he signed in front of me that he can't find? Where is the envelope, I said. He produced an envelope in front of me and said, there's the envelope there. I said, I never seen that envelope before. That is not the envelope I put my complaint into. Well, we know for a fact, he says, that letter came out of that envelope. And I said, I looked at the name on the envelope and I said, right, I didn't realise he was that. He was actually higher than he was when I... Mm. Mm. He was ranked. He was yeah. ranked. Mm. Mm. Oh, my brother was with me. And he also said, he's denying he ever called to the house. And my brother turned around and said, I spoke to him at the front door. I know him well. I know him years. Mm. He said hello to me on the way in. He brushed... I had a brush by and went into the house. And he called on a few occasions. I seen him at the door. And he's saying now he never called. So my brother also said, I want to make a statement there now to the senior guard he, that, he, that he called. He denied that as well, he said. No, he said he never ever called to your front door. He never got you to write no letter. You've done all this on your own behalf. So the file went off to G, uh, DPP. I'd say three or four months later, I get a phone call one morning and it's a senior investigating officer telling me there's going to be no further action taken against the two senior guardy or against Dr. Shine. The DPP filed that there's, there's no proof that what you're saying, you've no proof to back it up. I can feel you're not happy, he said, with the decision. But I've put an awful lot of work into this case and... It was very unusual, one I've never come across and probably one I'll never come across again. And I have no doubt in my mind he got you to write that letter. I have no doubt in my mind he called to your house. But unfortunately, it's his word against yours. I think you've been through a lot, meeting you and meeting your family. I think you've been through a lot. You've done everything. You can't do any more than this, he said. And I'd have a chat with your family and sit down and try and put it behind you. And I said, well, thanks very much for all the work you've done. Or don't thank me, he said. I've done the best I can. You didn't get the help you deserved, he says, from the beginning. And is that where it ended? And, that's, and I said, it's a mm. pity the DP didn't feel that way. Mm. I didn't get the help I deserved but okay. the guard did it and that's where I ended and that's my okay. case Well that's where it ended until you came in here today to tell us the story it's a, a story that and I think it, will be listened to by a lot of people who'll be very curious to get more detail I did get more information then 
it was sent there by me by the guards when I mm. I applied for my records and this didn't come out to me the first time but it's very funny when the two guards was retired I sent for it again and then this envelope comes out that I was told didn't exist mm. so I phoned up the senior guardy from Monaghan to tell him I was delighted I had evidence that I was made right the letter oh he retired mm. when oh he's dead gone a few months now yeah and you showed me uh, the letter, the okay. original letter that you had written to withdraw your complaint, uh, that it would be was sitting in, in uh, the Garda station for years and years. For that twelve years. Twelve years, the, which uh, I thought uh, uh, Shine was charged. And somebody had blackened out, redacted Michael Shine's name in the complaint. No, that direction on the York is that's came from my look for me files. Mm. I have the original letter there. His name's not not redacted. Mm-hmm. The original letter there, but. What I'm saying is, this guard got me to sign a statement in front of me. He signed it, I signed it. I gave him permission to get me hospital records. He signed it, I signed it. That's, that can't be found. Mm. They, they, magic. I wrote this guard's name on the envelope and I wrote to him in the draw the guard station. They were asking me then, did you hand it in to the guard station or did you post it? I said I posted it with mm. his name in it. There's no envelope here with his name in it. So are you sure you didn't hand it in? So when I applied for my records, there's the stamp. There's a stamp and the date. But there's no address. His name's not there for me to see. But when the two guards retired and I applied for my records, lo and behold, what comes into my front door? The letter I, 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 I sent to withdraw my complaint, which I refused to apologise, and his name's underneath to this guard at draw the, draw the guard station which I kept being told there was nothing to put me and this guard together in the drawer station in the beginning, that he never took, in the me, in the first beginning, he couldn't recall ever taking a statement from me. I was okay. mixing them up from someone else. Okay, so you've told us your story, uh, but you wonder if anybody else has a, a similar story and you want to talk to anybody who does before you finish. I just feel, yeah. I don't think I'm the only one. Mm. I think I'm not the only one that ever went to the drawer guard station and put a complaint in again, Dr. Shine. I'm probably the only one that ever was made apologise to him and, and withdraw a complaint. But there could be more out there. That these that guards that's retired now are hoping this will never come out to lie. They're popping the champagne, we're free. I'll never go away till I get the truth. Never. The way them two guards treated me. I'll never stop till I get the truth. Never. Okay. Well, thanks for coming in. Thanks for talking to us. Thanks, thanks very much. Story. Yeah, it is a remarkable story I don't think there's any other way of putting it and a story that was told very bravely by that man who came in to see us here in the radio station yesterday and thanks to him for doing that uh, I think a, a lot of people listening to us uh, this morning will be grateful that he, he told his story it, it may have had an impact on some people listening to it. And just to remind you, the Dignity for Patients helpline number is 041-9843-730. That's Monday to Thursday, 10 to 4 p.m. 
Out of hours, the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre National Helpline is 1-800-77-8888. Now, we'll have some reaction to what we've been hearing uh, this morning a little bit later on in uh, the programme, but just to mention to the members of Dignity for Patients, Adrienne will be with us uh, a little bit later on, and I I know that many of the members of Dignity for Patients are listening to us uh, this morning, and I also know that this is probably an upsetting day for many of you listening to the programme. And just to say that we know you are there, uh, we know the pain that you're going through and uh, that we're with you in spirit as best we can. Uh, And uh, we hope uh, that uh, you support that man as indeed uh, I believe you do as a a group uh, and all that he is saying. Uh, If uh, you aren't a member of Dignity for Patients, or indeed if you are and you'd like to comment on what you've been hearing, of course we would like to hear from you. Let me tell you how you can do that. You can ring us on 0419832000. That's 0419832000. You can text us or WhatsApp uh, text to us on the same number, 0861800658. That's 0861800658 if you want to text or WhatsApp the programme, and you can email michael at lmfm.ie. Michael, Michael Reed on, on Incidentally, we contacted Angarda Siakana about uh, that man's uh, story yesterday. We were told Angarda Siakana does not make comment on individual cases. Thanks to John, who was on the phone to us uh, this morning. Appreciate your call, John. John says he was the first person who took a case against Shine. He took his case to court uh, about abuse. That happened 60 years ago. John was just 13 at the time. He says, Shine's abuse of young men and boys happened for decades. John's case was the first one up on that day. There were 12 other cases against Shine, all in court on the same day. John tells us uh, that Shine's abuse of young men and boys abused uh, by him, uh, that Shine ruined countless lives. Thank you, John, uh, for taking the time to call us today. Uh, Somebody else says, Michael, it's very sad what happened to that man. And uh, is it any wonder that so many kids stroke adults were abused and not believed because there was a vicious circle that no one believed to the victims because the abuser or anyone with a bit of power covered it all up. And that's how they got away with it for as long as they did. It was like the priests. They got in with the families. And if a child said anything about them, Uh, It's like they were punished. Why? Because they were men in cloth, holy men. Even doctors got off with abuse. They should have all been locked up. Uh, The victims had to suffer for the rest of their lives. Betty Daly says, good morning, Michael. Uh, Whoever um, was involved in this should be named and shamed. Uh, God knows uh, what the motivation for it was. Uh, Betty has some theories. Ian, uh, very happy uh, that that man was given a platform to voice his story for himself and for others. And thank you, Ian, uh, for your text to the programme today. Uh, we'll be hearing more about this uh, later in the programme and we'll be bringing your comments on it if you have anything to say. Just to remind you, before we go to the headlines, if you want to comment on this or indeed some other story that you've 
been listening to today. Our telephone number is 0419832000. Text or WhatsApp 086 1800 658 and email michael at lmfm. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. Now, thanks uh, to Rose Andrade. She says uh, she was listening to the interview with that man. Scandalous the way he was treated. Uh, I had an experience myself and was treated very badly uh, by uh, another doctor. I, I think uh, I think that's probably Michael Neary uh, that uh, you're speaking of. Uh, Rose, uh, you didn't say Neary in your text, uh, but uh, she felt uh, that her complaints went... Uh, unlistened to somebody else saying uh, they're delighted uh, that that man was given a voice on the radio station today and uh, the Gardaí have a a lot to answer for no wonder people are losing respect for them our caller says Jackie says I'm listening to the interview with tears in my eyes for this man he's not only suffered abuse but these people using their power to cover up vital information that could have helped others to come forward this is why victims of abuse are in fear of coming forward not to be believed disgraceful people and power got away with horrible things. Lovely man telling that story and thanks, uh, she says, uh, to the station for giving the man the opportunity to tell the story because it resonates with so many others. Thanks, Jackie, for that. Uh, Another WhatsApp message coming to us uh, about it as well from somebody who says, I I want that man to know uh, that he is so strong and courageous to come on to the radio and tell his story. It broke my heart to hear how he was treated as a victim of sexual abuse myself. I want him to know that he's not alone. Thank you indeed. If you've been in touch, 0419832000. If you want to ring us, text or WhatsApp 0861800658. Email michael at lmfm.ie and we'll continue with that story. Imelda Munster is Sinn Féin TD for Louth and East Meath. She's on the line and a very good morning to you. Uh, and thank you indeed for joining us on the programme today. You're very familiar with that man's story, I think. Yes, and even still, Mike, it's very distressing to listen to the man speak about it in such detail, but it was a powerful interview. Um, he was treated appallingly. He was strung along until the Statue of Limitations came into play. That first investigative investigating guardie, the treatment that he gave that man was shocking beyond words. He was obstructed at every single turn. And to tell him that he needed to write a letter of apology to his abuser is reprehensible behaviour from a member of the Gardaí. But to also to threaten him, to actually threaten him that if he didn't apologise in writing to Shine, that he could be charged and prosecuted for making false claims of abuse of false claims of sexual abuse and for no other guard even on hearing that not to, for that not to raise red, red flags and for that guard not to be removed reported up to the senior ranks is actually scary I mean that man that man went to the guards to seek justice he trusted them and he justice was denied to him the right to seek justice and no one, it appears, held accountable at all. And that man was abused all over again. Um, we're talking about a complaint that was taken in 2003. It's a long time ago. And uh, yeah. some of um, the personnel uh, who were involved in hearing complaints have uh, retired at this stage. And Garda Shia says they can't uh, comment uh, on individual cases. Uh, do you believe that 
that man telling his story on the radio station today will be the end of the matter. Oh God, I hope not. Um, that man was very, very courageous and brave. And I believe his every word and support is called as well for as many people to come forward that had went to the guards and had, with similar incidents of abuse by Shine, to come forward. It can't be the end of it because, as I said, that behaviour from members of the Gardaí is actually scary and it does them no justice whatsoever. And that man never got any explanation or any type of justice. I mean, they literally strung him along and obstructed him at every turn. I mean, that's not when you go to the guards with a complaint. You go to them because you trust them and you expect them to follow through on that complaint and the opposite happened. So we do need to find out how many other people had similar encounters with the the guards um, on issues like this. And we need to hear their stories. And it's only then somebody whether it's the Garda Commissioner, but somebody has to take this serious because that's the opposite. They just didn't do their job Mm. and they did worse. They abused that man all over again by their actions or inaction. This could be the opening of a a can of worms, uh, couldn't it? Uh, Because uh, what we've established from this man's story uh, that we believe Um, We cannot verify, obviously, but a story that we believe uh, and uh, assuming that it is true, uh, that there was a member of Angarda Siakana working in Drahadagarda station who was a personal friend of Michael Mm -hmm. Shine and met at least one person who came in to tell him that he had been sexually abused by Michael Mm -hmm. Shine, a terrible crime. Uh, his uh, complaint was not just dismissed, it was treated with contempt. He was told it was scurrilous. He, he was told uh, that he was making false allegations of sexual abuse a- against a, a deep. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good man uh, who deserved more respect and that if he didn't write the letter of apology to Michael Shine and withdraw his complaint, that he would be charged and prosecuted. The question that obviously stems from that is is if that individual police officer felt as strongly as he did on that occasion Mm. 
Did he meet anybody else making complaints of sexual uh, abuse? Yeah. Acts on him, uh, on them, by Michael Shine. Uh, and how did he respond then? Yeah, well, you can imagine, going by what we've heard, that he did exactly the same thing if, if that was the case, that he would have obstructed people and, you know, had said that, you know, if they, unless they can actually prove it. But even listening to it, Mike, they went to know... That that guard, he he went to no um, trouble to establish um, any evidence. I mean, he could have easily asked him to explain the to describe the office, the surroundings, and the you know to establish whether or not he was in Shine's office. He could have asked him for a description of that. He literally obstructed that man from the get go, and even the fact that he he told that man that he was a personal friend of Dr. Shine. I mean, any Garda doing their job properly would have actually went to their superior and said, listen, there's a case here. I'm, I'm a personal friend of Dr. Shine. I don't think I should be the one to investigate that. You know, I don't know if I'd, you know, do it thoroughly. I don't know if I would be impartial, but he didn't. He, he abused that and he, he went out of his way to make sure that that man's complaint never went through the justice system. He denied him justice from the get-go. And that, that, as I said earlier, is scary. And we need the serious questions on how these complaints were handled. And nobody to date, I know they're retired now, but nobody to date was ever held accountable. But how do we know? How, how does any member of the public know that that type of practice is still going on to this day? That if there's a chance that if you walk into a guard station to make a complaint, and if a guard is familiar with the person you're making the complaint against, does nothing to initiate that complaint, nothing to bring charges, no attempt to investigate it, this couldn't be more serious. How do we move this forward because uh, I think there's uh, a number of things to take into account. Mm-hmm. Uh, the man um, that we spoke to can't get his files. He applied for them under freedom of information um, and that uh, was denied. Uh, somebody is texting saying, Michael, court order. Uh, as I understand it, um, he's got legal advice um, and obtaining his uh, files through a court order will cost somewhere between thirty and €40,000. Yeah. Um, and, and I think uh, the, the guards at one stage had said that to me, you need a court order, and knowing full well that mm, that would be out of his reach. Okay, but just ju- ju- just to continue, because there's two other elements to this brick wall, if you like, that the man is facing. Uh, the other is that GSOC can't investigate this because of the statute of limitations. It's yeah. too long ago. Uh, and uh, on Gardaí then the final part of the equation aren't going to make any comment on this. So, where does it go from here, do you think? Well, I suppose if, <coughs> hopefully... If there's anybody listening this morning that had similar experience to this man, that they come forward in confidence and if, that enough information is garnered, the statute of limitations may have you know, come into play in this man's case deliberately, as we know. But if other cases come forward where they got a similar type of obstruction or it never went anywhere and you know, that the 
absolute constant fobbing off that that man got, you know, abused all over again. If people have experienced similar, they need to come forward. And at that stage, then a new case could be opened. But there's, as I said, the questions couldn't be any more serious on how these complaints were handled. And the more people that are willing to come forward, the better. Okay. Uh, we'll leave it's it there. A for situation. Yeah. It, it was very yeah. distressing to listen to. Mm. He was extremely brave, but it was a powerful interview. We'll we leave it there for the moment. We'll be speaking with dignity for patients later and we'll give out the helpline numbers again in a moment if uh, people have been affected by what they're hearing this morning. Before we say good morning to you though, Imelda, um, it's uh, been another dreadful 24 hours on the roads locally. Um, A man in his 80s knocked down by a car and killed in Anagassan yesterday evening. Um, This is the fifth fatality on roads in County Louth in a month. It's a very worrying trend, isn't it? It is. And firstly, Mike, can I say condolences to the families of the five victims. Um, There are five families this month alone in our county that got that dreaded knock on their door and the heartbreak that comes with that. Um, There's a bank holiday weekend approaching. The weather's great. People will be out making the most of it, taking journeys on our roads. More, there'll be more people out walking uh, with the good weather, you know, country roads, towns, more people out cycling, again, country roads and towns. People just to be aware, to slow down, to take care on our roads so as nobody else has to get that dreaded knock on the door. And as the RSA tell us in their adverts, always expect the unexpected and slow down, keep all of us safe on our roads. Okay. Thank you very much indeed for joining us on the programme this morning. That's Imelda Munster, Sinn Féin TD for Louth and East Meath. And just to give you those helpline numbers, if you've been affected by the main story on the programme today, that of a man who was sexually abused by Michael Shine, there is somebody that you can talk to at Dignity for Patients. Their helpline is open Monday to Thursday from 10 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon. It's 041-9843-730. And out of hours, the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre National 24-hour helpline is free to phone on 1-800-77-8888. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, Eddie Downey will be very well known to many of our, our listeners. Uh, County Meath man, obviously, former president of uh, the Irish Farmers Association and now the chair of the Finnegale Forum on Agriculture and in studio with us. A very good morning uh, to you, Eddie Downey. Thanks for coming in to talk uh, about a recent briefing that you gave uh, to Fine Gael TDs and Senators, as reported in uh, the Sunday Independent. You said, if you think food is expensive now, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, price inflation is going to go through the roof, is it? Yeah. I think, well, look, we've got, that depends on how we manage the process going forward from here. But, uh, Look, at if we continue on the road we're going, yes, price inflation will go through the roof. Mm. We're taking out land. You know, look, at I drove in by the, across the obelisk today and I look at the whole platform. New houses being built there. Wonderful to see them being built. You go every side of the road at the moment. Houses everywhere. That's land loss to the system. That's good. That's needed and needs to happen. But there's also land being lost to solar panels, wind, um, all sorts of other things are happening out there. 
If we do that, we then have to manage the change system mm. and we have to continue to produce. Now, when you say land has been lost to these things, I think you told uh, the Oireachtas members you're talking about uh, a famine uh, because mm. a famine of land because so much of it will be lost to all of these yeah. things. Well, we, we're in the middle of that mm. famine at the moment. Mm. Um, if you, uh, you know, if you're looking for land, trying to lease land, rent land at the moment, there's absolutely it, there's a famine for it. Mm. The simple reason for that is because one, land has been lost to certain sectors. The other part of that is there's rule changes there, nitrate rule changes, which basically means that um, a farmer who's farming within the, the nitrate route, these are the, the top farmers in the country, mm. they now have to get more land in order to carry the same amount of stock, even the current amount of land, they can do exactly that. So they're chasing an extra piece of land. Mm. They're, now they're competing with their tillage farmer neighbour, their beef neighbour, whoever, all other sectors, mm. to try and get that land, or with other dairy farmers. Mm. And that's creating a famine for land. Okay. An independent TD, Michael Collins, spoke about this in the Dáil yesterday. And I'll just quote for you what he said. He said, the reduction of the agricultural nitrates nitrates limit from 250 grams of nitrogen per hectare to 220 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare will lead to the biggest wipeout of Irish farmers in this country. Do you agree? No. Okay. I don't agree. That's mm. that's scaremongering. Okay. There's no need to scare farmers. We saw the same thing this yesterday morning in the Farming Independent. Mm. 200 cows must mm. go. Again, scaremongering. No, mm. let's not go there. Mm. There's a place in between where we can have a negotiated position and settlement with, with uh, but the, that, no, but well, that covers no, both the sides. The thing in the Irish Independent uh, was not scaremongering. It's, 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 it's an it's option that was given correct. to government by the ESRI. It's one of the options yeah. that was put forward. Yeah. You know, and you don't, mm. But why make the story out of one option? Like, I, I, I just told totally you. Because it's a scary option. I can assure you, well, my way of looking mm. at that, Michael, is I'm, an, I, I'm a lobbyist. I will lobby on those issues and continue to do that. That's not an acceptable outcome for me, nor an acceptable position for me, and I couldn't possibly accept it. Um, and the people I talk to in, in government are in the same position. So I don't see why, you know, I don't agree with what Michael, Hedy, uh, Michael yeah, Collins said there. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's really scaremongering. Farmers know only too well the value of what they do. Um, the general public also know the same. I think what we really have to look at here is if we continue in a certain direction, mm. the cost of food will rise. Right. If we manage it properly, then I think we can get over that. I think what most people don't understand is that, oh yeah, this is only Little Ireland and what difference does it make? The fact is every country in the world is making steps towards mm. averting their, their climate change targets. Mm. Every country. Mm. So each of those steps in each country, that means less land in the system, less production mm. out there, less food but produced. But if the government chooses this option... Oh, yeah. Michael Healy Ray, another independent TD, told the Dáil yesterday that the public, when it comes to the local elections next year, the public will have as much interest in Fine Gael as they would have in contracting the bubonic, bubonic plague. He said Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael have lost rural Ireland. Yeah, well, uh, that's, uh, you see, that's if they made that choice. But you can, uh, you know, Mm. all the sounds, all the the knowledge I have Mm. of this process at the moment, and everybody I talk to at this Mm. stage of influence Mm. will tell you no way is that option being considered. Mm. That is not going to happen. And, 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 no, Michael, uh, let's be fair. Mm. Like, you know, there's other options on the table. One of them is is the the Chagas route. We've already reached 18% of our targets. Right, we love, and we are the only sector. Agriculture is the only sector that actually have a roadmap as to how to get to their targets. In fact, I think they're the only ones that are going to get there. But they're not saying uh, much different things than what you said at uh, this meeting, uh, the mm. briefing that you gave uh, to the Finnegan Rockdis members. Uh, the Irish Independent quote you as saying. 
uh, that uh, along with our environmental policies uh, we're creating a famine of land and that's driving the system crazy uh, that when it comes to improving and protecting water quality farmers are concerned that it'll force them to either cut dairy herds mm-hmm. or acquire more land and uh, I didn't see the press release but uh, Hugh O'Connell's article uh, implies yep. that Fine Gael were playing down your comments uh, in a press release afterwards uh, and didn't reflect uh, how strongly you felt. Um, when you look at that, yeah, you're correct and right, that's quoting me as, as I said it and that's no problem. But it, you, I also said that these things, we will want to embrace all of these things. Farmers are green, as green as anybody else. We want to embrace all these policies. We are up for this game, but it has to be done in our terms. Mm. And our terms are that we can continue to produce the product but manage the environment in the same way as we've done for hundreds of years. Um, you know, there is that famine. The what famine is there. The battle is mm. there. The, the battle ground. Mm. Uh, it's the All Ireland final. But we're what, what we're on the pitch, think? Michael. Yeah. We're yeah. on the pitch. Mm. Yeah. When we're on the pitch, yeah. then we have to make decisions, yeah. and the manager has to decide how the thing yeah. works. We are in a position where we can actually deliver all of the goods required. Mm. Both public goods and and, and mm. food. I don't think you're and on the pitch. I think you're in the boxing ring. In actual fact, no, 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 no. and and in the red corner are the farmers. Uh, in the green corner is Eamon Ryan. Is it not Eamon Ryan that you're fighting on this? No. I, I think in the red corner, if you want to put it that way, is the farmer and the consumer. And the consumer and ourselves have to work together mm. to get the best possible outcome from this. We can't allow to be dictated to the position that we will be left in a position where consumers can't afford food. Mm. That's simply where we are. And I think we all have to work together to do that. All right. Uh, there's to be... Big discussion in the Dáil today on rewetting land or the EU nature mm. restoration law, which covers a, a lot more than rewetting farmland. Uh, but the focus, I think, is going to be uh, on rewetting farmland. Eamon Ryan wants to go ahead as it's constituted at the moment under European law. It's not constituted under European law. It's not agreed yet. Well, uh, uh, as, as it's proposed. As it's proposed. That's, the, that's yes. the white paper yes. on the 200 yes. cows yeah. or the 200,000 yes. cows. We're not in that position. Mm. I don't agree. We mm. don't have to go there. We, yeah, there are, but there are certain elements of this that are very, very good. There are certain elements of this uh, rewetting policy that are excellent and would be very good, you know, mm. rewetting some of the bogs. Whatever. It's all about money, though, isn't it? Uh, um, well, no, it's, it's about the, the, the consequences to what people surrounding mm. those bo- areas. Will it impact on their land? Will it impact on mm. their li- livelihoods? Um, but people. Ha- well, it will impact on their land, but ha- how much will it cost in terms of their livelihoods? And if you have to reduce the national herd by 200,000, what does it mean per? farm and how much is going to be paid per cow? Well, I can't I'm not even going to debate that because we're not going to do it. <laughs> That's simple. Mm. But on the rewetting side, I think there are areas within that where people would embrace this and would be quite happy to do it. You know, farm, there's a lot of landowners out there would see that this is an advantage to them. But we have to see yeah, the money. Money is mm. important to people and the, the cost of it is important. Um, and the outcomes. You know, will it make the area nicer to live in? Will it create tourist attractions? Will it accre- You know, I've come yesterday from Mayo um, at the Cara, the la- Cara Lake and we were just looking at that. Fabulous work being done by people there. But it's going to take a long, long time to turn them, these, these things back around to where they originally were. Um, uh, but they will create um, tourist attractions, bring people into the country, enhance that whole area. So there's, you know, look, mm. at, it's all about uh, managing this in a process, not closing things down. Mm. Does it seem mad to you, though, that we paid farmers uh, <laughs> to uh, dry their lands? Is that how you put it? Um, oh, drain it. Yeah. Drain it, yeah. yeah. Uh, and to have this dry, dry soil. Uh, and now um, we're talking about paying farmers to re-wet them. 
and you know, we paid farmers to dry, drain the ground and that was good and, mm. and that was the process listen we came from a situation where um, uh, after World War II what was, I can't think of the name of it now it just won't come to me but um, we needed to find a way to feed people cap reform was bought in um, people were hungry in Europe and cap reform came in massive success we mm. went from uh, 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 starve- hunger to um, f- food mountains mm. You know, that process took place. Mm. We're now turning that tide back around a little bit and we're having another look at it from a different angle. Yeah. But we need to be just careful how we look at it. Mm. And it needs to be taught out rather than just... Look, we, we've... The ludicrous situation. We closed down... Um, the, is it Lanesborough? The, the, the peat uh, burning plant. Turned it into a wood chip a burning plant and then import, import the wood chip. Mm. Like, that doesn't make sense. No. A lot don't, of things... Stop closing down things. A lot of you things know, don't make sense. Like... Our, our target uh, emissions, the cut in the target emissions, and that uh, if we can't do it through culling the national herd, that instead of six cent on the litre of petrol, we're going to have to pay 60 cent or maybe six euro in order to um, make farmers happy. No, not to feed people. Hell of a difference. Mm. Or else we pay the farmers. Well, you could. You, this no, is no, I, I don't. I don't think we're going to get into that position. Mm. I, I have no no way could I see that that no way way could I see that happening. I, I so you, so you'd be happy for the cost of petrol and transport and whatever no, else. I'm not, I'm not in a yeah, position yeah, to make that. So, no, but no. we have we have to do something, don't we? No, and the obvious uh, yeah. offender is agriculture, and the biggest uh, offender within that sector is uh, the emissions from cattle. But the emission, yeah, but they're all rec- miscalculated, as you know. There's a methane cycle there. That methane has been counted as emissions from mm. the cattle, whereas in actually it's circular and it comes back around and it's recycled. Well, don't try and convince me. Try and convince I know, those who this is measure the, it this is the, and will fine us who, if we don't who reach refuse our to accept that science. And uh, that's very difficult for us mm. as farmers. So what we're doing is. But we face huge fines if we don't do it. Yeah, my job, um, our job as farmers, is to mm. look after our job. We've mm. been set targets of 25%. Yeah. We are, our aim is to get there. Mm. Right, we will get the. There will be a um, what we call it now. Food, food, feed additives for cows will come in. That's going to reduce their emissions there. But the problem is, every time we remove mm. reduce the emissions from methane, mm. okay, which is one of the highest, mm. uh, most potent of of the um, uh, gas. Those ga- yeah. the gases, right? The, it's the most potent. So if we reduce it, what happens there is we're making space for planes, cars, trains, trucks. Mm. We're, we're making space for the burning of fossil mm. fuels. Well, the Taoiseach that, said yesterday... That's wrong. That, that's wrong. That aviation accounts for 2% of our emissions. Mm. So it's little or nothing. Mm. Uh, agriculture, what is well, it? Well, no, yeah. if you count mm. methane as an emission, we're huge. Mm. If you yeah. don't, we're not. <laughs> and that's the pro- and, and then the cow mm. eats the grass and turns the grass, mm. and re- releases the carbon, but that's recycled back into the soil and grows more grass. Mm. So it goes round in a circle. We sequester carbon. We're the only ones mm. that do. We're the only ones that can Mm. No one else sequesters carbon out there. Mm. Okay. Everybody else burns mm. it. Mm. Uh, all fossil fuels that are taken from the ground and burned, mm. they become an accumulative yep. carbon in mm. the sky. When we produce carbon in, in agriculture, we recycle it. We take it back into hedges, trees, mm. grass, and we bring it back into the soil. We're now capturing the soil. We're, we're reducing the amount of ploughing. We're re- reducing the amount of things we do. We're, we're gone from minimum tillage, low, low spreading slurry. Mm. All these things. F- fantastic. Community. F- fant- they work. Fantastic, but not uh, enough. And more needs to be done. And, and the question, I think... You, the question, no, no, but, that's uh, not fair. That's no, but, not fair. But, uh, that, 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 that's well, not fair. That's not fair. That states the fact, fact on the basis that it's not enough. The target is 25%. Yeah. Mm. We're going to get there. Oh, okay. Well, 
by what? How? Cutting, not cutting two hundred thousand cows? No. Okay. No. We are, we're well, but the question is that more percent already. Yeah, but as you, say, get the rest as of you it. say, you're going to get there. So the, the the question is more has to be done, but how much more? Uh, and therein lies the dilemma. As things stand, the environmental policies are pushing up food prices. You say, That's the and they're going to get worse. Not if it's managed. That's the point I'm trying to make. Mm. So if uh, we as a society take a responsible position... So we have to pull back? No, we have to allow policies that are going to work. Mm. So we have to change Green Party policies? To some extent. Mm. Well, maybe we have to just get the Green Green Party policies to listen to us as before they set policies. Mm. I think I have a problem with the Department of Environment in that they continuously throw out policies, Mm. but they're not thought out. They're not logically thought out mm. to see how they will work. How will they operate on the ground? Mm. How do normal people, ordinary people, us, me, farmers, how do we manage these policies? That's what we need to have. A roadmap that gets us from here to 2030 and beyond. And, and the roadmap doesn't exist. Mm. What happens here is the roadblocks every so often, which suggests you have to get rid of this, rid of that, stop this, yeah. stop that, stop mm. And there's very little mention of, we'll build this, we'll build that, we'll produce this, we'll change that. Mm. There's not, no mention of that. It's all stop, stop, yeah. stop, and it's negative. And when you spoke it, to it, the... But the Green again. Agenda yeah. should not be mm. negative. Okay. It should be positive. It is a mm. great thing. When, it is the right way to go. Planting trees, growing hedges, yeah. this okay. is good, positive yeah. stuff. When, when you spoke to the Fine Gael TDs uh, mm. and uh, Senators, uh, did they feel that uh, the Green Agenda is negative? Do they think uh, that Eamon Ryan and his department are publishing policies without thinking them through. Do they believe that Green Party policies need to be changed, as you claimed a moment ago? I can't speak for them. That's their decision. Well, I'm, you were talking I'm to a them. lobbyist. I'm, I'm, sure. I, 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 I'm, I'm part of a, of a group which has been formed over, over a year, just over a year ago, and we've held meetings all over the country. We've met 2,500 people at those meetings and contacted a lot more in between. And we've listened to views on the ground. I brought those views to the parliamentary party. We put them forward. Um, it's up to them to decide how they manage mm. those and deal with those. They didn't give you any feedback, no? Not at all. <laughs> you know I'm not going to comment on that, Michael, and you know me long enough to know yeah, I'm not. So, look, at yeah. that. I have to deal with my side of the game, and that's what we do. And we will. I'll continue to do that and continue to fight for rural Ireland. OK, it's good to see you. Thanks it's for coming to It's great to chat today. to you, Michael. Yeah, good fun. Thank <laughs> so, you. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, that's Eddie Downey, uh, obviously formerly the president of uh, the IFA. These days, uh, he, amongst other things, I'm sure, is uh, the chair of uh, the Fine Gael Forum on Agriculture. Michael Reed on LMFM. Let me bring you some more comments now. Ellen in touch with us uh, saying uh, the sex abusers, uh, all of them were in a position of power. Everyone at the top knew what was going on but covered it up. She says, can we please have no more fake apologies from TDs or ministers? People have been destroyed Thousands of children's lives destroyed by the offences that were committed against them. Uh, Stephen in Drada says, doesn't matter if people have retired, they should be held accountable. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, Margaret uh, in touch about the interview with uh, that man who told us his story today, saying, what a brave man. So sad to think. He was treated so badly by Gardaí. Like all members of society, there are good and bad, and those Gardaí were deplorable. 
uh, to say the least, that is. It's marvellous nowadays that people old and young are not afraid to talk about sexual predators who roam in society. Sadly, Michael, not all are prosecuted, but people will always know them. Uh, I think that's the way communities are. Everyone knows something, and uh, she's very happy that we highlighted uh, this horrific crime on that man's childhood. His childhood stolen, Margaret said. Thanks, Margaret. Um, we'd somebody else in touch with us who tells us uh, that they went to hospital with a bump on their head from a bicycle accident uh, and at the time they were seen by Michael Shine and a junior doctor before being taken for an x-ray and they were kept in Uh, I was taken to a a men's ward uh, and during my stay I was got to by a doctor and a patient in the ward only guessing what our caller means when they say I was got to uh, but I shudder to think Jack uh, in touch with us uh, saying Eddie Downey um, said that every country in the world is bringing in these green policies. It's not true. China, India and other major countries are not doing this. On the other hand, somebody else says farmers, it's the great reset. Thank you indeed for that. Another text, uh, WhatsApp message then from somebody who says condolences to the family of the latest victim on the roads. Indeed. Unfortunately, our caller says you see it on a daily basis. People have no patient speed is a problem, a major problem in many instances to too many instances to mention and a major lack of police action because of a lack of manpower. Thank you for that as well. Thanks to everybody who's been in touch with us so far today. Uh, We'll try and come back uh, to some more comments later in the programme if you do wish to get in touch with us. Uh, But we were talking about some of uh, those contributions in the Dáil uh, on the challenges that farmers are facing. We'll hear some of them now. The front page of the Irish Independent today shows it is now evidently clear that for Irish farmers to meet reckless nitrate targets set by Fine Gael, Fianna Fáil and the Greens with Labour and Sock Dems support, over 200,000 cows must be called in Ireland. The only uh, people, this is not clear to us, Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil, who are now, by supporting the Greens, will wipe out many dairy and suckler farmers throughout rural Ireland, with farmers now looking like being forced to cull their herd or be fined. Taoiseach, as this will have devastating consequences for farmers throughout the country. The Rural Independent Group want a lengthy debate in this stall this week to prove to you and Fianna Fáil how agricultural nitrate targets going from 250 to 220 will lead to the biggest wipeout of Irish farmers in this country. Yeah, there you go. Eddie Downey said that was over the top. Let's hear uh, Michael Healy-Ray and what he had to say himself. During next year's uh, local um, European and general elections, the public will have the same interest in you as they would have in contact, contracting the bubonic plague. Why? Because they won't trust you. Why? When I and my colleagues in the Rural Independent Group continuously raise the fact that you are looking at reducing the national herd, you denied it. I want to thank Kieran Moran and the people at the Irish Independent and the Irish Farming Independent for their FOI in which the dossier came out with the proposals that are there and which you were well aware of. Fianna Fáil and the Greens, you've all been behind this and that is a massive call in the national herd. And I want you to say today, say something to the Irish farmers, say something to the people in rural Ireland. I said this continuously and I get no satisfaction from saying it. Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael have lost rural Ireland. The Greens never had it. 
but you've lost it. And why? Because of the way you continuously you, treat people Time in rural Ireland, and no. in particularly people from the farming sector. All right, let's hear a response from Fine Gael. Uh, this is Minister Martin Hayden. People on that side of the house have been part of a narrative for a long time telling farmers something that's not true, the government uh, somehow wanted to take cows off people and we're going to force uh, a call of the national herd. And that's not the case. What we have done is we've always been very clear about options and supporting farmers in those options and supporting them financially to make the best decision that is for them. What was reported today in The Independent is about an options paper uh, that was put forward by the department looking at modelling. No final policy decision here. All right, just bring you, that's Martin Hayden, by the way, uh, just bring you one other separate issue uh, that was raised in uh, the Dáil yesterday before we go to Dignity for Patients. And it's a, a piece of legislation that is being brought forward by the Labour Party, which would establish a task force for the River Boyne. The functions of the task force will be to propose and promote policies and priorities for the protection and enhancement of the environment of the Boyne catchment area and of its wildlife and natural habitats. The task force will coordinate, promote and support strategic planning and sustainable development in and around the Boyne catchment and it will make recommendations to regulate and control pollution in and around the Boyne catchment. The task force, uh, it is also envisaged, will set out a vision for the Boyne catchment as a public amenity for current and future generations and ensure the river's environmental sustainability, conserving its habitats and wildlife and monitoring the impact of climate change on the river. Uh, the task force uh, will also seek to identify those areas in and around the Boyne catchment where detailed proposals and plans for renewal, preservation, conservation, restoration, development or redevelopment would be appropriate and include proposals relating to public access and public amenities, including public transport and pedestrian access to the Boyne catchment and its environs. That's Labour Party TD for Loud and Eastmead. Jed Nash in the Dáil yesterday introducing legislation which would lead to the establishment of a task force for the River Boyne. Michael, Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, speaking of uh, culling uh, the national herd by 200,000 cows, somebody says, should the national dog herd be culled? Mary, uh, probably uh, of a, a similar mindset to that caller, says Eamon Ryan would like to get rid of cows and put turbines in instead. Thanks to both of our, our callers. Uh, we'll give you one more comment uh, for the moment, uh, which relates to our lead story today. Tom in touch with us saying, Michael, the problem with Shine is that a lot of so-called good people knew what was going on in his house of horror on Fair Street. They don't want this investigated. They wanted to just disappear. The dogs on the street knew what he was, but he was protected. Thanks, Tom. Now, Adrienne Riley, CEO of Dignity for Patients, uh, joins us. Good morning, Adrienne, and uh, thanks uh, indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the programme today. An awful lot of people have been very taken aback, uh, indeed uh, upset and saddened uh, by what they've been hearing this morning. Um, you've been supporting this man for some time. What are your thoughts today now that he's told the story publicly? Well, um, good morning. Um, first of all, I'd like to commend him on his bravery and even though this is my job and we work with victims and um, we support them when they come and tell us what's happened and everything that they need around counselling and dealing with the guards and everything I actually um, also really emotional because victims very rarely have an actual voice they are not heard when justice pathways are shut down 
And if they were heard, you would now hear 350 people like the guests that you had on telling their story. And that's the amount of people that engage with Dignity for Patients. And I'm actually finding this quite emotional myself. You have to remember, it's very, very difficult for anybody who's sexually abused to talk about what happened to them. It's difficult for them to talk to us and we're trauma trained and trauma informed. It's difficult for them to go to the guards. It's difficult for them to go to a solicitor. It's difficult for them to tell their family members. Um, In many cases, the victims we support haven't told anybody except us. Many of them, actually a huge percentage of them were children, unlike your caller who was a young adult, but a high percentage were also young adults. So children and young adults were abused by Michael Shine. So my thoughts are with the victim and with all the victims and survivors that are listening today to the show. Um, I've been in touch with the office. I'm out of, actually out of the office at the moment and staff have already told me that the phone lines and the text messages haven't stopped since the interview went out. Um, so I guess there's a number of things we can talk about, Michael, mm. if you'd like to introduce yeah, well, any of the issues you well, raised at well, the top of the show. Well, I think the big question is, uh, and it really is a big question, if that man is on his own in how his complaint was received by some members of Angarda Siakana in Drada Garda Station. Are you concerned that people were dismissed, turned away, told to go for counselling uh, when they were reporting a, a crime or asked to write a, a letter of apology, as was uh, the situation with this man? So, unfortunately, and I wish I was saying otherwise, we do have reports of similar um, engagement with Angarda Shikona over the years and decades that victims and survivors started reporting abuse. Um, and I heard Imelda Munster um, and her interview and her call for people to come forward. Well, we actually have all of this documented in different forms from when Bernadette Sullivan set up the organisation in 2010. And the problem is, Michael, and we've spoken a number of times since I started in 2021, unless we can have a full and effective investigation, we can't put this all together. So we, we're sitting in a, in a small little charity with three and a half staff, with 350 people plus who've given us evidence. And we need legal people, we need an investigation, and we need to look at all of the people that had similar experiences. We have had... Uh, victims tell us that they went to solicitors and solicitors said to them, get out of my office. Michael Shine um, gives me reports and doesn't charge us until the case is over. How dare you speak about Michael Shine like this? Mm. We have evidence of, you know, other situations with guards over the years, just not trauma-informed, not trained on how to deal with this and leaving people on the floor coming out of the guard station. We have evidence of people being told to leave it behind and get cancelled. So all of those things, yes, we have evidence of all of that. So where do we go with this? We, there, are, there is statute of limitations. There is nowhere really to take another case. But what we need to do is have a public inquiry so that we give not only that victim their voice, all of the victims a voice. And I guess I really want to contextualise it. Mm. 
from the beginning, all of these adult survivors and of childhood and young adult um, sexual abuse were told, you cannot say anything. Because even when they went to solicitors and had civil cases taken, they had to sign gagging orders. They were told you can't tell anybody what we're discussing in relation to getting any um, compensation from the religious orders. They were told, don't you dare mention Michael Shine's name. He will sue you for defamation. He is held in high esteem. You will bring shame on your family. You're the only one that's reporting this. So these are all things that we have been told over the years that our victims were subjected to. So how do we get that put all together? Mm. And how do we get accountability from the Medical Ministry of Mary's and the yeah. state bodies that were supposed to protect the victims? Yeah, well, the Medical Missionaries of Mary were certainly complicit in it all and have never answered questions on it. Uh, Michael Shine, as a hospital consultant, uh, was a very wealthy man and was able to uh, afford... Uh, the best legal defence possible. Uh, I know that we spoke to to many of his victims over the years uh, and transcripts of those interviews and interviews with Bernadette were were read out in court uh, as evidence uh, that uh, he was compromised in terms of getting a free trial and and so on. I just want to mention Pat Cusick if I I can. Um, Somebody uh, who's been uh, a long friend of uh, the programme uh, and indeed uh, one of Shine's yep. victims. Um, he, he's been in touch uh, to offer his support for the man in, in touch uh, who we heard this morning. He says nobody should have been treated that way and he really feels for him and he deserves to get justice for his treatment. He makes the point, which I, I'm sure you'll agree with Adrienne, that many people will find it uh, upsetting to have listened to, to it this morning and I think probably your phone lines are, are uh, an indication of that uh, triggering old feelings. Uh, he makes the point though that the new regime of Gardaí are better equipped and trained to deal with these incidents and uh, that they worked tirelessly for him on his case. He, he does feel though that other questions do need to be uh, asked uh, about how Gardaí behaved years ago. Well there's two things that I, I'm absolutely delighted he's been in touch um, with the organisation, with you because um, he has been involved with the organisation as well and he's one of the few people that have felt they were able to publicly speak this is the problem with sexual abuse. People carry shame and they find it extremely difficult to speak out or be seen or give an interview where they're named or they might bring shame on their family. Um, but there's two things I'd like to highlight. One is this is not something that happened years ago to people. This is something that's happening every day to the victim. And as long as they have no justice, as long as they have no voice, as long as they feel they were mistreated by the guards, by the hospitals, by solicitors and by the DPP and by the state, they are living with massive trauma and unable to live as full human beings because they have no voice, they have nowhere to go. And the second thing is, I absolutely agree that the Garda service has got much, 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 much better. But I also think we have a long way to go Gardaí are still not trauma-trained and trauma-informed. And last year, when the DPP refused to prosecute 25 cases, 16 of our victims were informed of this by phone by the Gardaí. And they had a really horrendous experience with those phone conversations. Now, we spoke to the guards and we explained how they felt and we were able to have a mutually beneficial conversation. But that should never have happened. Of course not. Adrian. needs to stop 
just you running. Know, I'm just running out. I'm sorry, Adrian, for talking yeah. across you, but I can't stop the clock and we're running out of time. Before we go, I want to give uh, the Dignity for Patients helpline number, which is open now, 0419843730. Adrian, thank you indeed for joining us. Listen, thank you, Michael. I really appreciate it. And I hope this isn't going to stop here. We need uh, voices for victims and we need a public inquiry. So thank you so much. Thank you, Adrian. Riley is the CEO of Dignity for Patients. That's our programme for today. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.